Hi, and welcome to the Postal Affairs Podcast, your source for the latest news on postal and mailing solutions, featuring your host, Alex Murcia, and Director of Postal Affairs, Bob Schimmick. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Quadient Postal Affairs Podcast. This is the recording for the week of October 30th. This is Bob Schimmick, Director of Postal Affairs for Quadient. Wow, it's a little scary to think that uh, we're already at the point where we only have two months of 2018 left. So uh, obviously this is the, the busy time of the year for everyone out there. Uh, we're into the, the busy fall and peak mailing season. And so um, one of the things, one of the first things I want to spend a little bit of time covering is something that we uh, walked through on our last podcast, and that was the price change that the Postal Service has proposed for 2019. Um, at the point that that podcast was aired, um, all of this was very new. Uh, we wanted to get it out to everyone as quickly as possible. Since then, now we've been fe- hearing a little bit of feedback and wanted to spend a little bit of time uh, letting everyone know kind of what were what is being heard within the industry and there's a couple of items that are are definitely i would say floating to the top and and something that everyone out there needs to be aware of um the first one is uh when it comes to the marketing mail price increase you know as we talked about um there's the cpi cap that cap amount was essentially right at two and a half percent but what we're hearing is a lot of uh, marketing mail mailings are uh, mailers are seeing increases typically in the three to three and a half percent range and so even though the price cap is at two and a half percent just be aware of that because uh, the individual prices within uh, uh, each one of the classes of mail can be modified fairly significantly and so just based on kind of how people's lists vary for the different rates being claimed. Um, Obviously, everyone's mailing list is going to vary slightly. And so if you're looking into that, um, one of the things you should just be aware of is just the fact that uh, even though that 2.5% is what the Postal Service has rolled out, um, they typically put uh, the larger increases on the big where the bigger volumes of mail are and so that's why you we are many are seeing that three to three and a half percent increase and and for those that are like for example purely saturation mailers uh, they're seeing uh, increases even well beyond that three and a half percent so uh, for those that are looking you know to budget for next year obviously with two months left we we're getting very close to that point and and for some it may already be too late but it's definitely something to take a look at. The other thing that we're hearing is related to packages. Um, and there's really two things that we ended up covering uh, in the last podcast. Uh, the new zone-based pricing that the Postal Service has rolled out for first-class packages. And then the other item is the new use of DIM weight pricing. So DIM stands for dimensional weight pricing. Um, they have the Postal Service has expanded the use of dim weight pricing uh, to a broader set of packages, and so it's essentially uh, the way to look at dim weight package. Dim weight pricing is uh, you have two potential ways of pricing a package. One is based on the actual weight of the package, and then one is by measuring the dimensions of the packages. And then there's a there's a divisor that you have to use, and then whichever 
price is greater is the one you have to use. So essentially what it's doing is if you have packages that are large and light, uh, dim weight pricing will apply. And, and so everyone just needs to be aware of, you know, you could have situations now where that dim pricing is going to be applicable. And the concern being noted is both these changes are are a pretty big change uh, for many mailers and many software systems um, that do this price calculation and just concern about being able to have this all in place. So just a reminder, um, what we're marching towards is the price change going into effect on January 27th. 2019. So uh, that's unfortunately right around the corner. So uh, something that every, all of us need to start planning for. All right. So now moving on to my the next topic, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, ACS billing. Uh, one of the, this is a topic that was actually covered at the MTAC meeting back in October. Uh, just to provide, uh, take a step back, provide a little bit of history about this. Um, if we go back to the beginning of 2018, the Postal Service made changes to their billing system, and the changes were really intended to provide free ACS for full service mailers that hit 95% of their mail volume, that eligible mail volume going as full service. And so, it was intended to be an additional carrot for the mailing industry to continue to push the adoption of full service. And so for those mailers that can consistently hit that 95%, um, that small little portion or the tail of the mail is kind of what I refer to it as, uh, you would get all those all the ACS for even that, that remaining 5% for free. Um, however, when the Postal Service made these changes, mailers started to see some incorrect charges showing up. And so um, the Postal Service then, once they realized that there was a problem, uh, stopped their monthly billing. And there were several months as we went through the summer where they had been busy working on fixing the problems. So uh, now if we get to August, they noted that they would start sending invoices again and they would start with just issuing the previous month's invoice. So basically in August, they issued new invoices for everyone to cover the month of July. Then in September, they noted that they were going to go back and provide invoices for all the previous months where they had stopped billing, which was essentially from March to July. So, um, so many, saw those additional bills showed up, which were which kind of interesting because we're actually going back and, and billing uh, for some items that, you know, for a mail service provider, if they did a mailing, let's say back in March for a customer or a client, it might have been just like a one-time thing and that customer may not even be doing business with them anymore. And now suddenly, you know, in September, you have to go back and say, oh, by the way, <laughs> there's some additional bills that you have to cover. Could be in, uh, created uh, an interest, interesting situation for many of us out there. So uh, now in going back and generating the invoices for the previous months, there were a number of records that were found that were flagged as uh, what was referred to as unassociated. And what this means is that 
basically when the Postal Service went back to try and find those records in EDOC, they couldn't find them. And so, you know, in theory, what, in theory, they believe that, okay, there was no electronic documentation submitted for them, therefore they were unassociated, and therefore they should be subject to the billing. Um, but part of the issue is, is that the Postal Service only has about four or five months of EDOC data to go back and reference. Well, now that, you know, we're, you know, they're in September, looking to go back all the way to March, and some of those pieces had been in the mail system for a while, um, they didn't, they had essentially lost that, that association of EDOC. And so what has happened now is based on this, the Postal Service is now excluding all the unassociated pieces from the back billing period. And so hopefully that the goal there is really to kind of clean up that issue and just get rid of uh, all the onerous work that would have resulted from trying to go back and prove that yes, you know, as a mailer, we did provide the e-doc, even though you're una unable to find it and do all the necessary justification. They just kind of took that whole category of issue off the table. And now as we are, you know, quickly heading into November, um, the Postal Service is hoping that October will be their, their first clean billing month, um, which I, I guess we uh, will we'll continue to watch this. And if something more pops up, we will be sure to pass it along. But I guess the short story here is, um, if, if you have not looked at your ACS bills over the last month or two, um, you may want to go back and take a close look at those and just make sure everything looks correct because essentially you've been billed uh, from essentially March all the way through uh, the current period of time. And you just want to make sure that those all look correct and accurate. And if, if you see anything that does not look right, that is uh, an an item that you should then reach out to the Postal Service and work with them on. All right, so for our next story, what I want to do is uh, cover an article that, or uh, an item that just came out, and that is the Office of the Inspector General uh, took a look at customer satisfaction. And so um, this is uh, customer satisfaction from a, a an end consumer point of view, so not necessarily from a mail service provider or, or a business mailer point of view, but customer satisfaction from the consumer end. So as, as all of us are recipients of the Postal Service's services, and um, that's what they were taking a look at. And one of the highlights in the findings is that customers are more likely to have a positive experience at rural facilities versus urban facilities. And I would say that uh, uh, that's probably not over, overly surprising. I would say that for anyone that travels any amount of time, you've probably noticed uh, when you're in a rural area, people are generally a little friendlier than uh, when you're in a big city. So um, <clears throat> overall customers at one in four retail units will not have a positive experience is what was found in 
when the Office of the Inspector General took a look at this at customer satisfaction. Um, and it's kind of interesting the the timing of this report uh, because the Postal Service just recently uh, announced a new VP level position around customer experience. And so uh, Kelly Sigmund has been appointed the Vice President of Customer Experience. Uh, she actually uh, was at the October MTAC meeting and spoke to everyone there about uh, how her focus is going to be on the retail consumer and, their, and making sure that they have a positive experience. So um, obviously this report from the OIG is going to give her something to start working on right away. Um, so coming back to the OIG report, um, when they were looking at uh, whether someone had a positive experience or not, uh, they considered five factors in creating this positive experience. And the five items were, uh, the first one was engagement, uh, and some of the criteria around it is being polite, truly interested in helping the customer. The second one was executional excellence, and for that one, it's more about explaining options and having a good understanding of the products and services that are available based on what the consumer was looking to do. The third item was brand experience, and that was more around the store design and the atmosphere within the store. The fourth item was expediting, and here it was sensitive to customers' time, uh, long checkout lines, and expediting the shopping process. And then the fifth item was problem recovery. And that's a, that was around helping to resolve and compensate for problems, ensuring complete satisfaction. So those were the five criteria that the OIG used to uh, determine whether or not uh, someone had a positive experience. Uh, being dissatisfied with their experience was defined as when one or more of those five items were not met. It was noted the factors most frequently missing were executional excellence and concerns with brand experience and problems engaging with employees. So those were the <clears throat> areas of improvement that, that I guess Kelly will have to focus on first. Um, the OIG notes that they believe part of this is related to uh, part of the issue around um, improving customer experience is that too much of an individual uh, retail facility's performance is really focused on delivering operations and not necessarily on consumers and customer facing items and so one of the, th the one of the things that the OIG report noted is maybe one of the things the Postal Service needs to look at and maybe this is something that Kelly would be working on is to change uh, some of the overall performance of each one of the retail units to have a little bit more weight focused on on that consumer experience so we'll have to see uh, how uh, Kelly and her team goes after that, but uh, it is something that is definitely going to be getting the attention of the Postal Service moving forward. 
Next, I wanted to just talk a little bit about um, the number of investments that the Postal Service has made to prepare for this peak season. And as we noted at the beginning of the podcast, uh, we're heading into the last two months of the year. Um, the elections are right around the corner. Um, there's the heavy fall and peak mailing season. And so there's been over this past year, a number of investments that the Postal Service has made to ensure that they are ready to make sure that they have a very successful holiday season. Obviously, if they have a successful holiday season, uh, we all as uh, the users of the Postal Service will have a, a successful season as well. So um, coming back to the October MTAC meeting, the Postal Service uh, walked the mailing industry and the MTAC members through the list of the investments that they have been made to make sure that they are ready. And so I'm just going to quickly go through a number of, the, of these items. So since last holiday season, they have added 15 automated package bundle sorters. Um, this gives them the capability of 752 additional separations. So essentially just more sorting power for all, as the package volume continues to grow. They also added six automated package processing systems, which that those six systems give them additional 426 additional separations. They've added 22 NDC parcel sorting machines, as you can see here. Um, obviously, made some pretty big investments in um, in package sorting. Again, as the Postal Service's package volume continues to grow, uh, they're making the needed investments to make sure that they can handle that volume. They also purchased two APBS feed systems, um, 15 automated delivery unit sorters, two universal sorters, and these universal sorters are also used for sorting packages, uh, four NDC flats culling systems, 22 automatic tray and sleevers, um, and then they also have now four plants using automated guided vehicles. So this one is one that was uh, interesting to talk about. I know one of the one of the things that the Postal Service has has recently done is opened up a brand new facility uh, or out in Portland. And that one facility now essentially replaces three separate facilities that they had in the Portland area. And within there, they are using, that is one of the four plants that is using these automated guided vehicles. And so essentially what these are, are, are forklifts that are uh, unmanned and can automatically move mail, pallets of mail around within the facility without using you know, essentially labor to accomplish that task. So some very interesting uses of technology that the Postal Service is investing in to help just keep uh, the cost of, of labor and, and the work hours under control. The Postal Service has also invested $37 million in MTE. MTE is mail transport equipment. That is essentially the pallets, the sacks, the trays, the tubs, all, all the stuff that the mailing industry uses to prepare mailings. And so they have made uh, major purchases throughout the year. Um, they have noted that their supplies of available MTE are all looking good and that um, 
they will have available to the mailing industry everything that they need to ensure that we have a successful mailing season so again some even though uh, we talk about the the postal finances not looking that great um, again they are making some very big investments to help ensure that uh, they're able to handle the, the mail volume especially around packages that continues to grow so now my last story for today is actually not even a postal service story we're actually going to take a, a jump over and look at UPS United Parcel Service um, for those that may or may not know, um, they have been, their uh, contract with their labor union had been up for renewal and one of the things that needed to be done was uh, that they came to an agreement but it still had to be ratified. They came to a new five-year agreement for a labor contract but it still had to be ratified by all the union members and so um, what ended up happening here is the the union essentially voted no to the new labor contract, but it still ends up being a yes. And so uh, how this happens is it's interesting because what ended up happening is 54% of the voting members um, voted no for the new five-year labor contract. But the reason that even though more than half of them voted no, uh, the catch is that if less than half of the union members turn out to vote, then um, you, it needs to, with a low vo voter turnout uh, under union rules, two-thirds of the voting membership would have had to have voted no. And so what ended up happening is less than half of the union members voted for, actually voted for the contract, voted yes or no for the contract. And so since even though it was a 54% uh, that voted no, uh, this two-thirds rule kicked in. And so um, essentially, even though with 54% saying no, uh, it was still ratified, which uh, raises some interesting questions about uh, future labor turmoil for UPS as e-commerce continues to grow. So that was just kind of an interesting little story I wanted to finish up with that uh, uh, might be a little bit of uh, unrest and, and unhappiness over with the UPS's uh, employees. So that concludes and with that we'll uh, wrap up this episode and so uh, for those that are that listen regularly our next podcast will be the week of November 12th. Um, again as we've noted in the past if there is anything if there is a specific topic that you would like to have us cover, uh, just you can email us at postalaffairs, all one word, postalaffairs at quadient.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and if you have any questions, uh, feel free to ask them and I can we can either answer them or uh, we'll, we'll tee it up as a, to a future topic of these podcasts. And with that, I'd like to thank you all for joining us. And again, we hope everyone out there is having a very busy and successful fall mailing season.